Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Top Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. As always, I'm joined by my friends, Rob and Lou. What's up? Hello, toppers. <laughs> and uh, this week, it is my pleasure to introduce our first ever guest on the podcast. He is a graduate of the illustrious University of Michigan. Dearborn, but you know, still. He was, he was the original third member of the top podcast before Lou ruthlessly took his seat. I mean, it's he inform- better than Clint. <laughs> he informs me that Danke Shane is in fact German, and he once made the entire walk from his cabin to the camp dining hall before realizing he'd forgot to put on pants. Please welcome my personal friend, friend of the show, and my cousin, Andrew. Ooh, yeah. Well, hello. Yeah. Yeah, what, what do you think that was? That walk, like, uh, 150 yards, 200 yards? Were you just, Depends like... cabin you were in. Were you Sunrise Cabin? Because that would be, oh my gosh, that'd be a long, long walk. <laughs> and to be fair, I was a junior. But, I mean, that's, what, fourth or fifth grade? Definitely old enough that you should remember to put on pants, probably. I was told that story the week after it happened. I was in middle school and my mom, like, I don't know what they were thinking. Cause my mom told me that story and I think she realized what she had done. And she was like, you are not allowed to tell this story ever. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm almost 30, mom. I'm telling this story on a Wait, podcast. There we go. Worldwide <laughs> now. Let the, let the world know. Yeah. This week we are talking about our top three sports moments. It's uh, become clear that we all have a slightly different interpretation of what makes it a top moment, but... I think that'll just make it fun. And I'm going to kick us off my my number three moment, which is Jet Chip Wasp in Super Bowl 54. What? Are we are we not doing a silly question? Are no, we, we just uh, we, we were just getting to know Andrew. Oh, okay. all right. Silly question. Cool. Have you ever walked anywhere without pants outside of your house? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. All right, Mike. Super Bowl. Let's hear it. Was it like in the 80s? <laughs> no, Jet Chip Wasp, Super Bowl 54, this is like, what, 2019? Super Bowl 2. All right, continue. Let's hear it. So, yeah, so the thing that makes this play special for me was it was kind of the vindication of uh, of my journey as a Chiefs fan. Because whenever, like, I almost feel... Oh, wait, hold on, time it, time it. When did you become a Chiefs fan? This is uh, 2015. Bandwagoner. Yeah, I'm 2015. Bandwagoner. <laughs> this is why... I don't like saying that I'm a Chiefs fan because now they're big and they're doing well. And it's like, oh, let, let me tell you, right? As, as so, so that's slow. what I started with Jet Chip Wasp. You are Wasp. so close to the mic right now. It's so funny to like picture you just <laughs> so close to the mic. In Oklahoma. Mike Rice likes the most, most winningest NFL franchise, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They got six Super Bowls. He's like, I'll like them until the Chiefs start a dynasty and then they're well they're not my favorite team i am a fan of them let, let me tell you in in oklahoma which is relatively close to kansas city there were no chiefs mm-hmm. fans before patrick mahomes but as soon as Patrick Mahomes got in and then you start seeing jerseys well, start in michigan well. there was one <laughs> let me finish because as i said jet chip wasp was the perfect vindication to a multi-year journey starting in the 2017 season opener where alex smith and the Chiefs took on the New England Patriots. And here's here's something that's very important to know about me. I love football more than most things, right? I love football more than his child, his wife, some family members. It sounds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I have loved football longer than almost anything that I love currently. Outside of parents, grandparents, sister, 
there's just like it is the longest standing thing that I I love in my life. I hate Tom Brady more than I love football. Like oh, wow. that is you, the you most watch your mouth. Pow, that is the most powerful emotion that was resides within me. And so in the 2017 season opener, when Alex Smith came back and had a dominant second half and beat the defending Super Bowl Patriots in their house, I pledged my allegiance. Wow. I was all about it. I saw something and like that happen last Thursday. I don't see yeah, you that, that was rough. That was rough. A team I hated was not beaten. Although I, I did. I mean, hey, man, that was a great game. That was probably the second or third best game of the week. But that like, was can that you remind us where, where the Patriots finished that season? I believe they won the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> Correct. No way. They could have won the Super Bowl because they didn't repeat. They so the I believe they, they lost. What year, what, what year was, was it? That would be uh, that was 2017. That was the, the Philly Eagles. Philly year. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. that Super Bowl also almost made my list because I hate Tom Brady that much. Matt Worst oh, Lions head coach in my I'm lifetime. Bleeping out a, that name. Bleep is a, a, a curse. A bold statement because the Lions have had some pretty horrid. They coaches, really have. But just another level. He wore. For those of you who aren't NFL fans, this man had a pencil behind his ear all the time. For his laminated sheet. He wanted to have a pencil <laughs> for his look. It was part of his appeal. He, well, let's Matt be, Patricia's the worst let, Let's be honest. I, I'm not going to revise history there, but when he came in, everyone was down with the pencil. Like everyone was so Oh, I was so stoked. I, I thought he was going to be making fun of the pencil from the beginning. Sorry. It's stupid. <laughs> You're using the pencil fine. He has a laminated sheet. He just wanted to look like he was smart with a freaking pencil. It worked. He looked like he staggered out of a bar. Yeah, he was trash. To be fair, most players have weird quirks. And that is true. Patricia was never a player, though. Uh, He was a player. Maybe in high school. Well, not in college, which, I mean, doesn't mean much, I guess, but... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so uh yeah, so the Chiefs, that was that was that was it for me. I was like, all right, man, Andy Reid, gotta love Andy Reid. I like Alex Smith. I'm hitching uh they're not my number one team. My number one team has been the Steelers since middle school, and we'll get into that later. They, the, these guys were a team that I was rooting for. They are in my solid second tier right under the the gold standard. You know, they didn't they didn't win the Super Bowl, but then at the end of the year they trade away Alex Smith. And I was I was devastated because they were just replacing him with this nobody. I didn't watch college football. So for me, it was some nobody named uh, Patrick Mahomes. And I was just like, I don't know what they're doing, man. And they proceed to win just I think what they went 13, 14 games and they make it to the AFC championship. And who do they lose to Tom Patrick mother Brady, the goat. I was livid. But the next year. They came back, they go to the mountaintop, and then they proceed to fall down 10 to 20 to the San Francisco 49ers. And I was just heartbroken. I was like, man, are you kidding me? And it was such a crazy postseason because they were down 24 to the Texans, and they were down 10 to the Browns. What the heck happened there? And they came back, and they came back, and then they were at, I believe, it was 3rd and 15. And Pat Mahomes takes like 7 or 9 steps back, and heaves one up to Tyree Kill. Jet Chip Wasp was the play call. Tyree catches it, and that was the... That was the spark they needed. The drive ended with a Travis Kelsey touchdown and they had the momentum. They won that Super Bowl. And it was just that moment where I was like, this is my team. I embraced them. And then I got to journey with them to the Super Bowl. And I've been a quote bandwagon fan ever since. I do like Patrick Mahomes. I don't know many people who dislike Patrick Mahomes. He's so hard to dislike. Well, he he does put ketchup on the steaks. 
that's I will pretty grant, weird. That that's a uh, dislike him. That's a character flaw, but I don't think it undoes no. all the likability of him. He sounds like uh, Kermit. Is it Kermit? Yeah, Kermit. He does sound yeah. like Kermit. Though. He does sound like Kermit. His uh, his wife said some super funny. They uh, he asked her what was they were doing like a relationship quiz, and uh, one of the things was what's his favorite. What was, what was his favorite junk meal? And she was like, fried chicken. He was like, it's it's Mexican Ooh. food. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to watch the video. It's pretty funny. I've heard his when, wife has said some pretty crazy things online. Yeah. And his brother or something. Yeah. yeah. His brother has done some pretty crazy things offline, too. Yeah. Isn't he in some uh, some pretty serious trouble now? I think so. Not yeah, I as, think yeah. so. Not no. as much as the Chiefs maniac. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my no. gosh. That guy is the best. Robin Banks to go watch football teams. Yeah, so this this guy, he would always dress up as a wolf and he would go to every single Chiefs game, home or away. He was there. He kind of got this following online, like especially Chiefs fans. He's like, oh, people would take pictures with him in this wolf costume. Turns out Kansas City is playing an away game. He gets arrested for robbing a bank and the cops put together that to, the fund this like Chiefs road trip. He would rob banks on the way to games to like pay for the trips. And he would just keep on doing that for years. It was wild. Honestly, that's so impressive. He should be on a like an all time list of bank robbers. He's been robbing banks for years to go just just to go see football games. So many people have got busted before they could rob their second bank. This man was doing it for years. He's got to be, if not the goat on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I would watch that movie if they made it into a movie. I'm sure it would be like, this is so unrealistic. Yeah. Right. No one would believe it. <laughs> hey, Lou, there's a writer's strike going on right now. You can submit the, the screenplay and you'll probably get get it picked up. Um, No, <laughs> never. But you talk to can. the horseman. I talked about this in the pre-show, but I'm I, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a diehard Michigan fan. So I could easily just put three Michigan games here, but that'd be pretty boring. So I pick, I did pick three teams. Uh, So my number three occurred in week eight of the 2013 NFL season. The Detroit Lions hosted the Dallas Cowboys, led by Tony Romo and Des Bryant. And in this game, the Lions outgained the Cowboys in total yardage, 623 to 268. But they also committed four turnovers to Dallas's zero. So Dallas kicked a late field goal to go up 30 to 24 with just a minute and seven seconds left in the fourth quarter. And then over the next five plays, Matt Stafford just drives the Lions down the field. Bam, bam, bam. 79 yards to the one yard line and the clock is ticking. They have no timeouts. He's running to the line and he's saying clock, clock, clock. And he's indicating that he's going to spike the ball. But as soon as the ball is snapped, he jumps over his own offensive line, scores the game winning touchdown with 14 seconds left. The Lions win 31 30. So ultimately, this never led to anything for the season. The Lions didn't make the playoffs. Jim Schwartz lost his job at the end of the year. But <laughs> it stands out to me, not just because of how exciting the conclusion and the finale was. Uh, with Matt Stafford, who did not have a lot of great moments in Detroit, but this was a bright spot. Okay. Um, All right. All right. I, I thought he had a lot of great moments. Well, I was like, you, uh, come on, man. Are you a Stafford hater? He didn't win a single playoff game. I'm not a Stafford hater. I was happy he got a ring. Our grandfather, however, is a hardcore yeah. Stafford hater. Even after he won the Super Bowl with the Rams, he was like, no, nah, he sucks. I was like, that man beat Tom Brady to get to that Super Bowl, and you still won't give him his flowers. It's ridiculous. I mean, I mean we, Nick Foles is a career backup who also won a Super Bowl over Tom. Well, he has some 
some black magic come playoff time. But this was the first game. I I don't know if it's happened since, but at the time, this was the first time in six years that a team was minus four in the turnover margin and one. And a big piece of that was Calvin Johnson. Just unstoppable. 329 receiving yards. Most ever in regulation <laughs> in NFL history. It's number two all time, just seven yards behind a player named Flipper Anderson, who had 336 for the Rams in 1989. But 40 of those came in overtime. So in my opinion, this is more impressive. Elvin Johnson is the best Lions player of my lifetime. I mean, I wouldn't put him ahead of Barry, but he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And this was, in my opinion, not only his best performance, this is probably the best performance I've seen by a wide receiver in my entire life. But Cowboys could not stop him all game long. I met him at a, when I was working at the movie theater. He came in like one one random day. For real? Yeah. That's really cool. Just, or are well, you just like confusing him with some other no no it was legit calvin johnson like i'm like that guy looks familiar and then he like i ring him up and everything and someone's like dude that was calvin johson i'm like mother (laughs) (laughs) you just waited outside that movie theater i did not on the way out i let him i let him be you know i figured if i was if i was famous i wouldn't always want to be but there's only a few people yeah there's only a few people i would go and like get an autograph like like Sir Paul McCartney, yeah, I'd go get an autograph from him. George Lucas, maybe. Harrison Ford, definitely. Oh, George Lucas wouldn't give you the time of day. No. <laughs> Paul might. Paul Paul's much more uh, friendly and amicable than Mr. Lucas. For those who don't know, think- former Beatle, Paul McCartney. Yeah, if you didn't know who Paul McCartney was, yeah. he played for this band in the 60s. The Beatles, <laughs> I think it was. No, it was the uh, Corey Liverpool. Man. All other guys, Richard Starkey. Uh, I think was one of them. Jonathan Lennon. Yeah. Yeah. Alvin Johnson apparently came into a pizzeria. I worked at part time in college, but I was making pies back in the, in the kitchen and I didn't see him. So I'll just have to take their word for it, but I have not met Calvin Johnson like you. I think it's really cool that uh, I didn't realize that Matt Stafford had potentially the only one man fake spike in the history of the game. Because I know Dan Marino had his famous, you know, the fake spike and uh, Ben Roethlisberger had one to Antonio Brown that I uh, I called because like they, they got up the line. He was, you know, he's doing the whole spike motion. And then I watched him. He just gives Antonio Brown the thumbs up. And I was like, it's a fake spike. It's a fake spike. And uh, everyone was looking at me like I was a madman. And then they fake spiked it. And I was like, see, and they just kept looking at me like I was crazy because I was, you know, talking like a drenched person. But to fake spike on your own and just jump over mobile style. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. Like, that's just like it's like pressing Y in Tecmo, you know, just yeah. whoop over the line. Just to, just the guys, you know, just to put it out there. I am not much of a sports fan anymore. I think I've gotten old. I've gotten crippled. Uh, the last sports thing I think I did was do a Great British Bake Off fantasy league with what? my wife. They have a fantasy that does league. Not count. What? Uh, me, <laughs> Hold on, I'm sorry. Fantasy. So I, I, take I, it all back. I created it with me and my wife, okay. but I actually just googled it, and it's also I think it's kind of a thing. It's a Reddit thing. But uh, to be fair, everything's a Reddit thing. So see, I know they did whatever. the the Bachelorette. I saw like ESPN did a Bachelorette fantasy, and I'm like, how? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it makes I never watched The Bachelor, uh, but I mean, to get into more detail, there's three uh, there's three bake offs each episode. And you can get a you can get a, the best thing that you could do is get a handshake from one of the, the judges. And so the handshake is like worth 10 points and being uh, top five in uh, the bake off is another like three points. Me and my wife had it all written out and I absolutely destroyed her. So that was pretty fun. So I'm just letting you guys know, like, I'm not much of a sports guy anymore, but to to be fair, for me, when we thought about doing impactfulness, uh, I mean, talk about favorite I, favorite sports moments. I thought of impactfulness, stuff that like 
I saw it and it was like, oh, this is crazy that we're doing this. This is this is nuts. Uh, so for me, the f- number three is the butt fumble. <laughs> uh, so uh, my boy, Mark Sanchez, uh, Thanksgiving Day, 2012. I'm not sure what was going on. I'm not sure of the play. I recently saw it again. Uh, and, but man, he just ran right into his center and just fumbled the ball. And, uh, and that's why they call it a butt fumble. But to be fair, though, uh, and I didn't know this thinking about it, and I actually went back, uh, one of my favorite defensive linemen is Vince Wolford. I think he was a monster for a very long time. And he was actually the reason why the butt fumble happened, because he caught the center off guard and drove him like two yards. And so that is the reason why Mark, Chance said Mark Sanchez really? actually did the butt fumble. Yes. Do your research. That's just never something I've even considered researching. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. It just felt right to say it. I'm not uh, saying. Hey, man, take um, shots. I, I'm, I'm open for all of it. If, if it's content, <laughs> hit me with it. Okay. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, that's my number three. <laughs> that's I, Honestly, I love learning the stories behind, like, all-time bloopers of plays, you know? Like, the the worst play ever before the uh, – the, um, the Dallas play at, in the playoffs last year to end the season uh, was that that Colts play where Pat McAfee's name happens to be at the bottom of the screen when the play was going on. And so Pat McAfee has to deal with comments about the the weird formation play. And so like hearing his story about what was supposed to happen and why it went wrong. And now he's like irrevocably tied to awful plays. It is. I, I think that's the most fascinating thing. So for me, my my sports fandom is really tied to like where I'm from. So I really only follow Detroit sports or University of Michigan or University of Tulsa. Basically, I follow everything besides baseball because I got bored playing baseball. I can't watch it even with the whatever pitch clock they have now. No, no, thank you. Maybe if I'm trying to fall asleep, I'll put it on. But it does make it better. But I'm, I hear you. I'm not a big baseball guy either. Uh, I got one from each team, including album mentions, but I got two sports right now. The first one, though, back in 2019, the Red Wings fired their not fired, but basically told their the previous general manager, Ken Holland, that they're not going to renew his contract. And they bring in Red Wings legend Steve Eiserman, which if you guys don't follow anything about hockey, he was huge in the 90s up. And I think he retired 2009. Basically, he is what launched the the Wings into their second dynasty in the, the late 90s to early 2000s where we won, I think, three or four cups, Stanley Cups off of that. And he comes in there his first year, 2019, for the draft board. We're up at number six and everyone's like, oh, it's going to be Zegras, it's going to be something else. He stands up there and he says, Moritz Seider from Germany. And no one knows who this kid is. And I, everyone's just like, even the crowd, there was like an audible gas and insider looks like he's uh, like he's shocked. Like what? I just got picked. So he got a lot of crap for that. And it's funny. They made a uh, they made a video like kind of pulling everyone's crap from it. But then he ends up staying in. He's in their farm system for two years and they end up getting another rookie called Lucas Raymond. And then their first season together in 2021, they just take off and have this fantastic season. Uh, Maurice Sider ends up winning the Calder Trophy, which is basically rookie of the year. So it was just such an amazing thing to see that you know we have a gm with knowledge who's good at scouting which he would have known from tampa because he kind of set them up into a mini dynasty the tampa Bay lightning it, it was it's so cool to have like your your team win such a big award like that and it, it's so refreshing because the wings have been uh, in a bad place recently and it was just a, a breath of fresh air and man the, the kid just seems like a genuinely cool and fun funny person like they do a lot of videos and i was i was just so happy that the red wings are kind of they're on the way to becoming back they're not back yet they still have a long ways to go but i say for me that's one of my my favorite moments just seeing the validation that like we did choose the right guy that is super needed, cool they um, needed to go through these bad times too because for a long time i know they had this you know historic playoff streak where they were what 20 something 25 years in a row they made the playoffs 
but that has also screwed us to the, where we are now and like how long right take, exactly so. so like for 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 so long they were just good enough and that but they kind of needed to hit rock bottom so that they could rebuild because yeah you don't just want to make the playoffs every year and get a first round exit so i i totally totally know what it is for but for any listeners who have absolutely no clue what the farm system is do you mind explaining that so for basically there's four big american sports football is the biggest then i'd say basketball baseball then hockey for baseball and soccer is getting there man. soccer yeah mls is getting up there might overtake hockey i don't watch soccer or you know football it's known around the world i don't really watch it but go liverpool yeah. yeah. Farm Pickle system. Pickleball is getting up. Pickleball, Pickleball is also. Up there too. It's crazy. How <laughs> Pickleball is a lot of fun. I refuse to play it. <laughs> Why? I my in, in my first year of high school, 2000, what, 2009, our gym teacher like introduced us to pickleball, but he used like these crap, you know, like those bad dodgeballs that just foam and like squeeze down and compress really easily. We played with that, which you're not supposed to play with. And I just I'm like, this game is stupid. And I hate it. And now that's taken off. I'm just I'm going to be a, 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 a Grinch on purpose, you know, an Ebenezer Scrooge just because because I had a bad experience, a, you know, 14 years ago. You, you used a, a, like a foam dodgeball. Yeah. You know, because they they got rid what? of those the rubber pickleball. Dodgeball. Yeah, the play pickleball. So it sucked. You're not supposed to use that. So. Well, that's just irrational. If, if he made you play football with a bowling ball and you hated football for life, that, you know, I'm not. I, I know it's irrational, the sport. but I just I need to be the one person that doesn't so like. Do you know watch. what a pickleball ball looks like? It's a wiffle ball, yeah, right? It's a wiffle ball. Yeah. But again, this was 2009. No one had heard this game, you know, probably because he was a senior citizen. He he knew pickleball, but it was way before it's time. Senior citizens are the one who introduced us to pickleball. Exactly. He And he was before know. all the other people. Anyways, the farm system, <laughs> baseball and hockey, usually when you're drafted, unless you're some superb athlete. That's just hyped through the roof. You're going to go and play a couple years, at least one year, if not two to three years in what people call the minors. So that's like smaller leagues. So there's the American Hockey League, the Canadian Hockey League, Swedish Hockey League is where Raymond and Sider went. Basically, it's just to develop your skills and make you a better a better hockey player. And then you gradually will move up until you're making the Red Wings uh, AHL team, which is the Grand Rapids Griffins. And then from there, you'll, you can probably make it up to the wings, you know, jump that or it's it's they're preparing you for yeah. a better league. So that's what the term that's, farm that's actually is. really cool, because like it, it bums me out sometimes to see like good players get drafted into the NFL and then it's like, oh, hey, you have to go play for the Bears. And it's like, oh, well, rip your career, dude. It's over. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking yeah, about it's that. The, it's the money. Sorry, yeah, it's the it's money. I was thinking Caleb about the- Williams, who won the Heisman Trophy last year. His dad recently tweeted or something and said, because he's a junior, and he said if the right team is at the top spot, he'll just come back to college another year. I, I think I heard that. But I was thinking a couple of days ago, that like, what if the NFL used like the USFL or the XFL for like a farm team? I think that could be that would be a good um, way not to only foster more fans to go cheer on the Michigan Panthers, but, you know, it'd probably help with development guys. And you could be a little more risky because you can send them down to the, the minors and then bring them back up. Right. Plus, you know, year round football. I, I nothing in the world would make me happier. Yeah. The only problem with that is injuries. And I think that's a lot of the reasons why mm. athletes leave college so early. Because could you imagine, like, you could have a shot of making a million dollars. Right. You got to make it. that bag. You got to make that bag, man. Because all that time, you're not making anything. Well, yeah, now you are. Changing now, Lou. Yeah. Now you are. Arch, or, uh, 
What's the Manning? Arch Manning. Arch Manning. Arch Manning. Yeah. He's making more than a bunch of NFL players. He hasn't even played a snap as a freshman at Texas. I'm oh, so okay. freaking excited for Arch Manning to come to the NFL. You have no idea. I didn't know like, anything about that. If somehow Arch Manning ends up on the Steelers, I'm just going to shit my pants in like pure joy. I well, cannot wait for this to happen. The rate the Steelers are going, it might happen. Right? Me next. So I, uh, I apologize for the repeat Chiefs. But um, for me, my number two sports moment was the 13 seconds game. And uh, what made this extra special was the year before the 13 seconds game, which was a, a Bills Chiefs playoff game. I want to say it was the AFC championship game, but it might have been the divisional round. The year before, I, I came up to my dad and my uncle and I said, hey, let's play. Let's play a little game. Let's each pick all eight division winners, and whoever picks the most correctly, the other two will pay for his dinner. We'll go out, we'll have dinner, it'll be this fun thing. And so we did that, I won, and uh, I won because Paul picked the Lions to win the NFC North, and my dad picked the the Vikings, and I went, you're both idiots, and I picked the Packers, and Aaron Rodgers won MVP, and uh, that was the the one win that pushed me over the edge to win. And so the year after, Rob came up to me and was like, hey, that, that sounds pretty fun, do you mind if I jump in on then I was like, yeah, they, they like you. Yeah, we'll bring in. And so we all we all pick our teams. And the only division that there's any disagreement on is the AFC North. I picked the Steelers to win because I'm a homer, not because like I, I was 100 percent voting with my heart. Rob picked the Ravens because he's smarter than the rest of us. I think Paul might have also picked the Ravens. Oh, my dad might have picked I, the Browns. I was so close to picking the Bengals. Just I want to put that out. There. Yeah. And the Bengals win. And so we all went seven and one. We all hit the exact same seven teams. And then the one one team that nobody picked was the team that won the AFC North. And so we we got to the end of the season and there was a tie. And so I proposed, hey, let's do a survival style pick em league where we all pick every single playoff game. And whoever has the most uh, correct picks, then, the, you know, that's how we you know do the tiebreaker. We just like, uh, want, you know, we kept going farther into the playoffs. And the deciding factor between whether or not I kept going or Rob kept going was I picked Kansas City. and He picked Buffalo. And what made this extra fun for me was I was watching live live via antenna. Rob was watching uh, via the stream with a streaming service and a streaming service can have you behind about 30 seconds. And so I texted him early on in the game. He was like, whoa, hey, man, no spoilers. Like I'm watching this on Peacock or whatever the heck it was airing on. So I knew okay, I am X amount of seconds ahead of Rob. And so the 13 seconds game, the last like five minutes, it was just touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And this, the lead is jumping back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And me and Rob start texting each other every time our team scores, kind of talking smack. I get this text from Rob where he goes, what, you think you guys are going to be able to pull it out now? Because he's 30 seconds to a minute behind me. And for him, the Bills just scored a touchdown to go up three with 13 seconds left. There's no way the Chiefs can tie this game at this point. But the Chiefs run a quick play, Tyreek Hill, call a timeout. And then the coverage was wild where they had they had two deep safeties that were so far back, they were essentially out of the play, except for, you know, trying to prevent a deep ball. They had, I want to say, five guys on the line. So they took it was either four or five guys. So they took seven or six of their defenders right out. I want to say it was five on the line. So really, there were only three three people playing the middle of the field. Two of them were on the far side of Travis Kelsey. So they, they weren't doing anything. So there were only two guys who could defend Kelsey. And Mahomes hikes the ball and immediately looks Matt uh, Milano, I believe, looks him off, gets him out of where Kelsey needs to be. So now Kelsey is in one-on-one coverage, which if you know anything about football, means you basically have an automatic completion. And Mahomes throws this perfect pass. 
They get in field goal uh, range and then they either call a timeout or they spike it. And as this is happening, Rob on his delay texts me and he goes, still thinks your Chiefs can pull it out? And I go, yeah, I think we'll be okay. And so it was an awesome moment. It was one of the greatest games in NFL history. But I also got to confidently talk smack to Rob because I was about 30 seconds to a minute ahead of him in time. And so that made it extra special for me because I got, uh, you know. Lord that over a friend. I would like to say that I believe I wasn't trying to be like, oh, you think the Chiefs can pull this out? It was a genuine question, genuine question. I'm like, oh, do you think oh. they got this? Well, that makes it less fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> what a way to what a way to pull the the rug out. Well, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, over text, really you can the room together. Of, I know, right? Great movie. But yeah, I, I, just over the text, they probably read it. Did you just thing. say overrated? I would say we'll it's underrated. We'll get to that on the overrated part. <laughs> Watch I will. Watch, you need to, it, it requires multiple Where's viewings. the money, Lebowski? You got the wrong man. I I'm think it's dude. down there. See, so, yeah, What movie is this? Right? The Big Lebowski. <laughs> the Big Lebowski. I feel like it has a big cult. It's a cult movie, so I wouldn't say it's overrated because there's just vocal. Vocal minority. Yeah, vocal minority. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was easily my number two game putting uh, experience, or it was until Rob totally uh, contextualized <laughs> it for me. <laughs> That's staying in, so the world knows. I mean, now to be fair, it was still an incredible game, but that did absolutely kind of put a cherry on top of what was already a fun experience for me. Yeah, my number two, uh, unlike my number three, is actually a very iconic game, I think league-wide we're sticking with the national football league here and it is so memorable that if i just say two numbers you already know what game it is <laughs> and you know yeah, what those two numbers are it's 28 to 3 uh of course we're numbers. talking about how <laughs> oh, so 28 and 3 that's two numbers you said 28 to 3 i'm being an asshole don't worry we'll cut it out <laughs> or we and Rob probably won't so i look like I, a fool but whichever it is i thought it was funny it was a good pun yeah, it was. It's a, it, was a, it was a stretch. It was really a stretch there. Of course, I'm talking about Super Bowl 51 in which Tom Brady, GOAT, and the New England Patriots came back from a 28-3 deficit in the late third quarter to defeat the Atlanta Falcons 34-28 in the first ever Super Bowl overtime. I'm a huge Brady fan personally due to his uh, Michigan ties. He, he wasn't... Uh, elite in college, but he did uh, do some nice things. I mean, he was a sophomore backup on the 1997 national title squad. Uh, And then as a starter, his junior and senior year, he led them to a big 10 championship in 98. And then in 99, he defeated Alabama in the orange bowl in his final game, but uh, is really in the NFL that he became the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. And in my opinion, this was the game that cemented it and made him the GOAT. Going into the game, a lot of people, myself included, already considered him there, but he was tied for rings with Joe Montana and Terry Bradshaw at four apiece. A lot of people said, oh, Joe Montana's 4-0 in Super Bowl. Tom Brady's 4-2. That's a stupid argument, in my opinion. I'm not going to reward Joe Montana, the great Joe Montana, not taking anything away from him, but I'm not going to reward him for losing in the playoffs earlier. That's stupid. (laughs) Either way, this is the time he broke the tie he wins five Super Bowls, and in the fashion in which he did it, ice in his veins, coming in clutch. I mean, Michael and I have talked about this game a lot uh, in the past, and his kind of stance is that a close back-and-forth game is much more enjoyable than a, a comeback. 
because when you have a huge comeback, what you essentially have is one it's part of the game where one team dominated and then the other team dominated in the second. And I think that's very fair for a neutral observer. But for me as a Brady fan, the comeback made it incredibly thrilling. And then for just the personal side, I was watching it with a number of friends. One of them hated the Patriots and he was really giving it to me, rubbing it in throughout the first half. And so it was just very satisfying to watch his, you know, entire demeanor change throughout the course of the comeback. 28 to three is that, my number two. That Edelman catch is just insane. Oh that my is, gosh. One of the best catches it's, of all time. I think with the, the announcers were so great because I think everyone felt that where he's like, oh my gosh, that's a catch as you're watching the slow-mo replay. Cause I think that's exactly how all of us felt. It was like two catches. He caught it. He dropped it. He caught it again in half a second before it had a chance. It was, it was I've, I've rarely seen anything like that. Yeah, it's up there with uh, the circus catch or the Odell catch. Not the Jefferson catch. (laughs) That one was incredible, too. That was like nothing. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, that could be. I'm going to add that to list. I was watching it with a a group of my fraternity brothers and it was just like, what? He caught that? And it was it was everyone was just so hype. That that one is going to stick with Matt Ryan forever. I have no ill will towards Matt Ryan, but uh, 28 to three is going to be part of his legacy. In fact, he was, did you guys see he was announcing one of the NFL games this past weekend, I think. And his co-host said, Man, this game should be twenty-eight to three right now. I'm like, dang, dude, <laughs> that's brutal. That is actually the one game where I kind of rooted for Tom Brady because I was so bored. I was like, all right, like I had my fun, but I I don't want to watch another half of just unwelcome canoodling on uh, the part of the oh my. the Falcons. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, I I literally in the room to everybody there. I was like, I am officially changing sides for the remainder of the Super Bowl. I want this to be fun. And so, so I, you're not I a bandwagoner. Oh no, it was it was a sides. I could I could give a shit about the Falcons. Um, <laughs> do not care about that team in the least. Um, I, I man, I just wanted the Super Bowl to be good at that point, and so I uh, had a temporary visa into the into the dark side just so I had something to root for. I'll buy you a Brady jersey. I will burn it, and then I will put it on the uh, the Instagram. Go follow us on Instagram at the Top Podcast with two E's. All right, so my number two. Uh, just wanted to, before we go out, I mean, before, I know I've been doing a lot of, like, just before this. Uh, I do not promote violence, at least unwanted violence. Uh, you know, I just, so I don't, you know, just wanted to say that before I did it. Uh, but my number two is uh, back in November 19th, 2004 uh, versus the Indiana Pacers. Oh, oh my oh, God. You, you chose this? Oh, you chose oh. this? <laughs> what? Uh, Indiana Pacers versus Detroit. There's a little known thing called Malice in the Palace. At the um, malice at the uh, well, it says in the palace, but malice at the palace, whatever. Uh, my favorite player of all time, and this is the reason why I grow my afro out as a child, and probably a little bit of the reason why I grow it out still now. My favorite Wallace? Uh, basketball player is Ben Wallace. Ben, I wanted to be Ben, ben Wallace. Wallace. I, uh, I, I was all for it, fear the fro. And then when I found out my favorite basketball player at a very young age, 2004, I was early. I can't remember how old I was, but I was, I was pretty young when I found this out. When my favorite basketball player uh, went into the stage and started throwing hands against uh, the crowd, blew my mind as a child. I'm not going to lie. It, it cemented some things in my life. What? Uh, I, I thought that was all, um, gosh, I didn't think any of the it, Pistons, I don't think any of the Pistons fought the fans. It was, oh gosh, was what it, was his name? 
uh, run our te- test. Yeah. Was it just run? I have to rewatch it again because I just watched it. And I thought both of them were in the stands. Have you seen the uh, the Untold documentary on it? No, I watched it. That was good. If you got Netflix, give it a give it a watch because it is. They do they do really good documentaries, and that one was fantastic. I'm pretty sure. I thought the Detroit was in the stands as well. I could be wrong. I think they may have been um, like pulling them off, like the the Pacers fans. Yeah, off. I think there was. I think there was a fight between the two teams for a little bit, and then one of the Pacers players went and he like laid down on that table, and then that guy threw the beer on the player who was laying down, and that's where it went from a brawl between the players to a brawl between the the Pacers uh, and the the Detroit crowd. Yeah, so uh, they they crawl in the stands to try to get them to. Okay. There was there's actually there's footage. One of the guys went to go punch somebody and he slipped and like when you watch the footage the wind up it looked like he was gonna actually knock the guy's head off like he probably would have killed him because it was just some like not he was a small like he was short he wasn't super fit and this just like six seven you know jacked athlete was just ready to like throw a punch and it was like that probably would have either ended his life or put him in the hospital forever except that he like he he slipped on some beer and like that (laughs) yeah it was that was wild yeah i mean i think another reason why I wanted to share this is because I, I just think people, especially fans, sometimes separate themselves into thinking that athletes are real people and that they have like real emotions. I don't think people understand, and this is not because like I'm an athlete or whatever, I was an athlete. It's like you are at like the height state. You're like the highest, like you're wired, right? Like you're trying to play against like all grown men who are just like at the best of their game and you're trying to do that as well. When like fans are acting stupid, you know, sometimes athletes are going to make dumb decisions. I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not promoting this by any means and i think i don't like any type of violence but like what were you expecting to happen you know right like, like, what did you what did you what was the outcome because like words hurt sometimes and athletes a lot of athletes are very emotional so, so do beer cans yeah and, and beer cans hurt so you know i'm not saying i assume i've never actually had one thrown at me but like it well, seems like a safe bet if we reach yeah. 500 subscribers in one month we'll throw a beer can at mike i'll take it i'm in it has to be open because that beer can was open true well, but, uh, lou will have to do it because he Oh, Oh, no, we're going to fly you out, Robert. All right. Have you guys been to Little Caesars? I have. Multiple Arena. Times. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Hot and ready are the best. It, it's nice, but I feel like it does kind of lack the heart and the soul of like the Joe. Well, I think it's just because we haven't had any like real playoff teams since then. Sure, sure. But, I, but the I Malice will... of the Palace remind me. So, so two years ago, the, the Pistons were playing the Lakers. Uh, this Our center, Isaiah Stewart, also known as Beef Stew, was trying to get a rebound. And LeBron James is off of a, a foul. So they're at the they're doing free throws. LeBron James just like winds back and elbows him in the face. And like mm. it, for a while, he just like stay, is stunned by it. And then like he starts bleeding and he just charges LeBron James like he's piling through people you know people got like flashbacks to like fans please stay in your seats and like the, the, the whole air was tense that like another malice at the palace would happen and it, it didn't but it was just a wild moment was uh, that uh were they in little caesars by then they were yeah it was at little caesars uh, yeah we we got to make sure there's no brawls there because there's no good rhymes for for little caesars like malice at the palace fantastic branding but there's there's no good way to do that for for Little Caesars Arena. I could I could see like a bunch of like editors like around a big table and they're like, what are we gonna name this? Heinz Field definitely Heinz Field is definitely the superior uh, food related field name. Amen. Rest in peace, Hinesfield. The one thing I don't like about Little Caesars Arena is there's no Timmy's in there. It doesn't feel like a hockey arena without Timmy's. What is Timmy's? Tim Hortons? Come on, man. Tim Hortons? Oh, okay. Gotcha, See, gotcha, gotcha. There was like a random kid named Timmy. Yeah. <laughs> Robert no, I just assumed there. it was like, <laughs> I don't know, some specialty 
I don't know, the pretzel stand or something, you know, um, I'm not I'm not I'm of the opinion that I will always enjoy any sporting event more on my couch eating food that I prepared or purchased myself and my surround system to sitting in a hard chair in a potentially unpleasant weather environment next to God knows who is sitting next to me. So I don't I don't have a long history of going to sporting events, so it could have been anything. Well, you're lucky because 75 percent of Detroit teams play in a dome or inside. So, oh, well, uh, still not going, but um, <laughs> I, I enjoy live games. Just the environment's really fun. Yeah. I did get to go I, to I, I got to go to a suite for one Lions game. Uh, we played the Vikings in one. I think it was my senior year of high school. So it would have been 2012, 2013 season. And uh, that was pretty cool. I will say, like surprisingly, I've seen I've seen hockey, football, basketball, and 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 baseball. So I've seen all of them in Detroit. My favorite, honestly, live is is hockey. Mm-hmm. I think going to a Red Wings game, I think is is surprisingly just really fun. I think the fans are like really awesome too, compared comparably. Yeah. Well, and they um, say like even if you're not a hockey fan, if you go to a hockey game, you'll leave being a hockey fan. Like just that environment is good. I think uh, the big house is without a doubt the most enjoyable um, live sporting experience. I did the thing. I don't know if you guys ever got to do this in high school where you work the concessions for the first three quarters and then you get to catch the last quarter of the game. It worked the whole time. Oh, we got, yeah, we got to cut out early and watch the the end of the fourth quarter. And it was, we almost came back against Iowa. Uh, We lost, but it was still like, it was a close game and the college atmosphere when it's a close game and everyone's really hyped i've that was transcendent i've never experienced anything like that and i would i would go to a college game probably before any other uh any other sporting experience live did you guys do that every, yeah i was wondering has everybody worked the college game or like a worked one of the session stands i did yeah i have not oh okay i worked a, a little caesar's one and i ate so much sausage <laughs> just because like you couldn't you can't judge how much like sausage the I topping a topping, yeah. I ate so much. <laughs> Not even the pizza, just just well, I couldn't eat the pizza because like people they would find out, but they couldn't tell how much topping I ate, and it was pretty much endless. So I was just shoving sausage in my mouth. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> Rob, I need you to I need you to cut that and I need you to send it to me. <laughs> I I got so sick by like the fourth uh, oh, I think I was at a baseball man. game. So I got so sick at like I don't know, the ninth inning that uh me I too. I was gone. I was like I couldn't not I, my stomach cramped in ways that i've never expected before so i wouldn't recommend eating handfuls of sausage my my senior year of uh high school we went there and somehow i don't know how it was like me and two other guys got to go up to the the like the, the executive suites and serve like, a concession stand up there so we were like serving steaks and prime rib and all that and it was like late november so everyone else was freezing cold and i just had a great time so we also got the we, we took breaks because you know those executives aren't going to be there all the time and we got to eat for lunch we got like the steak and everything but i just remember coming back and like all three of us had like this big smile on our face like yeah that was so much fun and everyone's just like f you f you guys <laughs> We had to stand out in the cold, peddling hot dogs. We pulled a loo and we're like, I'm going to drop this on a table so I'll have to eat it. <laughs> what, a, what a callback. You'll love to see it. Callback king right here, baby. My number two. I will preface this that there might be some recency bias, but the last two Detroit Lions games have been different. They so, have been different. So the end of last season, for anyone that doesn't follow football or didn't follow the Lions and just lived under a rock, because if you follow football, you, you heard about it. But last the last day of the season comes last year, the last games of the season. And there ends up being like a three way tie between the, the Seahawks, 
the Packers and the Lions and the the Seahawks have to win a game. And if they win a game, the Lions are out. And if the Green Bay beats the Lions because they're playing that week, the playing the Lions, then Green Bay goes to the playoffs. They play the Seahawks play the Rams earlier that day. They end up beating the Rams by some atrocious officiating that people joke that the NFL's rigged. Sometimes it does look like it. You know, whether it is or not is hearsay, but there are some terrible calls. The Seahawks won. So as Lions fans, they are just destroyed and shattered because that means our playoffs dream has died. And any past Lions team, if they would have that would have happened, they would just given up call to the season. But the Lions go into Lambeau Stadium, which is the Packers home stadium. Prime time. Aaron Rodgers is trying to be uh, this the comeback king and lead his team to the playoffs. They go in there and they just put their foot down and dominate that game. There's, I think, three or three interceptions. There should have been four, but one was called back against Aaron Rodgers. And they just they make a a statement that just because we lost doesn't mean that we're going to let you guys win and just walk over us and get in. And that's something past Lions team haven't done. And then this year, this past week, if you listen to the last podcast, you kind of heard me excited about it. The NFL gave us the opening game against the, the previous Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. And they were they was at Arrowhead, so their home field. And everyone's like, ah, you know, the Lions, they haven't they looked good last year, but they haven't proved anything, which to be fair, we haven't. Everyone's like, oh, the the, the Chiefs, they're going to just smoke them and everything. And it shouldn't be that big of a deal. You know, hopefully the Lions at least look decent was what most people are kind of hoping and saying. But they come in there and they they're down at half by a touchdown. And again, any previous Lions teams, you're down, especially against Patrick Mahomes, probably like the the slitheriest quarterback out there. Just be able to freaking Houdini make plays. It's insane. Any play. He's never down till he's down. And it's not even like he's like just running fast. Like you saw Michael Vick run and like, man, that guy's fast or Lamar Jackson. It's just like he's like casually trotting. And oh, that was 15 yard scamper. They they're down at half. And Edwin's just like, oh, man, we've seen this Lions team before, you know, a lot of hype. But then they 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 face some adversity and that's it. They give. But they end up coming back, having a a very strong second half. I think the second half, Patrick Mahomes was 0 for 7 on third down conversions, which is just crazy for the next up and coming uh, the greatest QB he's going to he's already in the conversations a lot. I've heard a lot of people throw around that he's the go, but we we end up holding him and we we win. We beat them at home by one point, which a lot of people are like, oh, it's by one point. But you we beat the defending Super Bowl champs with adversity. We Patrick Mahomes had the, the ball twice, got the ball twice in the last five minutes. And if you watch the Chiefs, even if it wasn't the Lions, you would think, oh, that's that's game over. Whoever they're playing, the Chiefs are going to win when they're only down by one point. But the Lions freaking put in their feet, were gritty about it and, and got that win. And it was man, I stayed up all night when I finally went to bed at 430 a.m. I just had this biggest smile on my face because my team was actually doing something. If you guys don't know about the Lions, the worst, the worst franchise in history. Yeah, worst <laughs> historically the worst NFL team in history, hands down. The only one that might be able to compete is the Browns. But, you know, they've at least they took all those years off. That doesn't count. That's true. And they I think they've, you know, made it further in the playoffs than we have since the freaking 50s. But they they went to the AFC championship game. Yeah. No, the the divisional rounds beat the Chiefs or they lost to the Chiefs. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's something the Lions didn't do. It's true. Jared Goff has never lost to Patrick Mahomes. And I'll tell you what, I've never seen a bad Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes game in my life. Yeah. And Those two are always electric. And it just has me so hyped for this next season. Maybe it is actually different and it's our time. It's not just some fake hype like the players have bought in. The coaching staff has bought in. The city has bought in. And it's man, it's I, it's such an awesome feeling growing up, you know, 28 years now, with the Lions being the garbage of the, the league. And now it's 
it's like we're actually getting to that next step. And man, I'm I'm almost tearing up here just talking about it. That's my number two pick. Yeah. We'll see where the season goes. But right now I'm on cloud nine. I don't think the Seahawks are going to stand a chance against us next week. I got to open with this. Me and Andrew watched the first half of that game together before kickoff. He turns to me, he goes, who's going to win this game? And I was like, listen, I, I've been kicked too many times by this team. I would love to say the Lions have a chance, but I just... No, he didn't ask who would win the game. You asked me who would win the division, and I still couldn't say with any... Like, it's not that I didn't think they were good. It's that I just I've I've bought in too many times and just had my heart broken that I wasn't willing to say the Lions are going to do it. And Andrew told me, he says, all right, you do not get to claim them as your team this year. And I fully embrace and accept that. That being said, what's happening in Detroit is so cool. And to be able to see the ride they're going on and uh, to watch Dan Campbell do his thing. It's very fun to be able to watch from the sidelines and uh, cheer you guys on as you, you get to experience that. And just an awesome head coach. Fighting kneecaps and taking names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so our He's head coach... He's never going to live that down. No, our head coach was came in there and gave some very, like, fighting and rough, like, the word examples or, you know, analogies to how this team is their identity and all that. And for the people of Detroit who are very hardworking, blue-collar people, they're like, yeah, we're going to be fighters, especially because, like, you know, the bad boys and the going-to-work Pistons, they were all, you know, tough and, and, and like, we're just ready. We're going to go out there. We're going to beat them down and be physically dominant. And he just got blasted on the nationwide scale like oh he's just a meathead talking about biting kneecaps <laughs> and now he's the the favorite to win the coach of the year so it's just great I'm, I'm so happy for him as a dude he seems like a genuinely good guy especially coming from the the dark years that we we won't say their names anymore in this podcast but it is such a breath of fresh air and dark times for the franchise but he, he lived through some of it because he was a former lion was he not on the yeah, way he, he was on the wallet that went oh and 16 yeah. first team to ever lose every game in a 16 game season he was on that team and like he, wait, wasn't matthew Stafford on that team? No, that's we got. Oh, that, oh, that was the year we got. Calvin Johnson okay. was. Okay, I was gonna say, yeah. have we ever had a, a coach who was a player with their their quarterback before? But the answer is no. So well, and they traded him. He didn't actually. Stafford never played for Campbell. How oh, did he not? It was no. it was it's always been golf. Yeah, and I remember we were at uh we were at one of Kyle's parties. We were playing flip cup. Uh, Kyle, and I out. and I got the notification with. on my phone that like Matthew yeah. Stafford was traded. And I'm like, guys, everyone stop. Matthew Stafford's been traded. And it was everyone was like, all that the guys was, were reacting. All the girls were just it like, was a great moment. It was you, me, and uh shout out Anthony Silver, our most recent Instagram follower. Ooh, thanks, Anthony. What's up, buddy? Chili Anthony. That's what we call him. Chili Anthony. I think we just lost a follower. <laughs> He's just like, Yep. <laughs> nah, man, Anthony's uh Anthony's good people he'll stand by us all righty closing the notebook and speaking from the heart here nice. so uh so my my number one you, th- you think i got pushback on uh on jet chip wasp get ready for me uh me picking one of the lamest super bowls of all time my number one sports moment of all time was Super Bowl 40, the Pittsburgh Steelers plus the refs on their side <laughs> versus the Seattle Seahawks. Wow. And I'm just and just like with Jet Chip Wasp, what made this Super Bowl special for me was uh the journey to get to this Super Bowl. The year before, actually I'm gonna go back a little further. So my dad was a pastor and we used to do was a pastor? It is a pastor, <laughs> yeah. But at the time he was he was a pastor, but he had become a pastor recently. And I oh, forget right. what the, the the event was for, but there was some event where they they 
bought this DVD. It was the history of the Super Bowl. They, they played it in the background during this event. I think they just wanted football footage going. And uh, we, we he, somehow it ended up at our house. And I watched that thing all the time. I was the weird sixth grader on the block who knew about Joe Namath, you know, Roger the Dodd, Roger Stallback and Terry Bradshaw and Lynn Swan at the Immaculate Reception. I, I knew all this random old school football and just that that touchdown pass from Terry Bradshaw to Liz Swan where Swan goes up and he's like I think he actually was a like he practiced ballet uh, for his footwork and so he just went up and it was the most graceful thing ever and kind of tipped the ball back to himself and caught it and runs into the end zone touchdown I just fell in love with the the steel curtain Steelers like I thought they were the coolest thing ever and that same year I forget who the starting quarterback was but he gets injured and Ben Roethlisberger comes in famous woman respecter Ben Roethlisberger, and they go Ouch. 15 and one. Shout out Barry McCockney. And I was in sixth out. grade. It's this team that I was already really into, and they go 15 and one. They don't win the Super Bowl. And I was just, I, I was enamored with this team. And I was like, I'm going to be a Steelers fan. And it was, it's that classic thing you do when you're young and there's this team that's winning and they're hot and you just jump on the bandwagon. But it's like, hey, you're in sixth grade, whatever. And the next year, the Steelers struggled hard. Right. They did not do well, barely made the playoffs. They were the sixth seed. At that point, no sixth seed team had ever won a Super Bowl. And everybody just gave me crap all year long. And they were like, you still go Steelers fan? You're still a Steelers fan? And it just like it galvanized me. I was like, screw you. Yeah, I'm a Steelers fan. It doesn't matter if we're losing. I'm sticking with them. And we get there in the sixth seed and we got to play the Bengals. And the only reason we won that game was because Carson Palmer got injured and we we escaped from the number three seeded Bengals on the road in Cincinnati. And then we have to go and we have to play Peyton Manning and the number one seeded Colts. We are so close. All we got to do, we're, we were on like the two or the three. All we got to do is, is punch it in, score a touchdown, we win. And we hand off to Jerome Bettis and somebody gets in there and they just pop the ball out and it's a fumble and it's recovered by Indy. And Ben makes this just incredible dive tackle and like and saves uh what would have been the go-ahead game to just ice or go ahead touchdown to ice it and we managed to get a stop and we we win against the number one seeded Colts and then we go and the, the number two seeded Broncos we go to mile high I think that was the Tim Tebow Broncos it's not even that incredible of a, an accomplishment in in hindsight but we beat the Broncos and we go to the Super Bowl it's Super Bowl 40 it's in Detroit you know, Jerome no, Bettis at home. Tebow Broncos beat the Steelers. Oh, you're right. So it would have been a different Broncos team. I was in sixth grade. Yeah, we, we get it's Super Bowl 40. It's in Detroit. It's all happening here. It wasn't a good Super Bowl. There were some questionable calls, but the team that I stuck with through just I was taking it from my friends. We barely made the playoffs and then we did it the hard way. And we were the first team to win a sixth seed in my hometown. That galvanized me for life. And I I still have some some live strong bracelets from Super Bowl 40 that uh, my aunt's fiance acquired for me. Yeah, that that was the moment where it just I was a Steelers fan because I was a bandwagon fan. And then I became a Steelers fan for life because I stuck with them when it didn't look good. And we won the Super Bowl anyway. I got a Pepsi can that, uh, you know, how Pepsi makes like the Super Bowl cans and everything. I got yeah. one for Detroit. It's in my office. That's pretty cool. I live right next to the bridge that they built for the Super Bowl. Yep, the football. Oh my bridge. gosh, that ugly ass blue bridge. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the um, draft next year, too. This, this is probably back. the first NFL event we're getting since, uh, 
Since the Super Bowl. It's going to be great it. once we win the Super Bowl and then have the draft there. Are I'm, you going to uh, attend the draft, uh, Rob? Yeah, me and some me and some buddies are going. We're wow. going to camp out there. If you want to come. So I think it's first come, first serve. So we're going to camp out there, bring some snacks and everything. And it's weird because, like, I don't follow college sports that much. But I just love, like, the, you know, hearing players' stories and, like, seeing every the upsets that everyone has and, you know, taking a running back at 12. It, it's weird for someone that doesn't really follow college to actually enjoy the draft. But I I'd probably just because I something I do with friends, I'd go and hang out. We'd, you know, eat buffalo dip. Lucia would spill the buffalo dip on someone's uh oh. <laughs> on someone's doormat and just walk away and it's a fun Dude, time. I was so it was like they just moved into. Yeah. I think like they weren't even <laughs> no. fully moved in. And no. I just completely just trashed Buffalo Dip all over their brand new house. Oh my gosh. What a Did, I uh, locked that out of my memory. <laughs> my number one is of course Michigan and in fact it's Michigan's most recent win over the Buckeyes in mm-hmm. Columbus in 2022 from 2004 to 2020 Michigan won one game uh over Ohio State you know Michigan really faltered as a program after Lloyd Carr left uh two bad coaching hires in a row with Rich Rod and Brady Hoke uh meanwhile Ohio State remained national power winning a national title in 2014 things did look up for Michigan in 2015 when they hired former Michigan quarterback and 49er head coach Jim Harbaugh khakis. and instantly Mr. Khakis, yeah, instantly improved the program, but still was unable to defeat his biggest rival. A lot of that uh, came down to the defensive coordinator, Don, Don Brown. Brown, Donnie Brown, uh, who man had an annoying Don Brown. <laughs> exactly. Horrible over-reliance on man coverage, which allowed Michigan to kind of dominate and push around inferior, less talented teams, but was ultimately costly when they would come up against an equal or more talented opponent like Ohio State, who would burn the secondary for huge plays. Um, But following a really disastrous, horrible 2020 COVID season, Michigan finally fired Don Brown. They bring in Baltimore Ravens linebacker coach Mike McDonald, who instantly turned around the defense. Michigan finally breaks through in 2021 beating Ohio state behind five rushing touchdowns from one Hassan Haskins, now a Tennessee Titan and Michigan would go on to win the big 10 championship uh, and play in the college football playoff. What makes the 2020 season and victory even more special is that they proved that it wasn't a fluke. I mean, I think you can look at one game and be like, okay, Michigan, you know, a a bad clock is right twice uh, a day, right? Michigan was bound to beat Ohio state again. But 22, they proved, no, this was not a blip. They go into Columbus. They win 45 to 23. They finish their first perfect regular season since they won the national title in 97. Uh, In the first half of the game, Ohio State actually looked like the better team. They were crowding the box. They were saying Michigan's going to have to beat us through the air. Our best player, Blake Corum, was out with injury. But Michigan, you know, J.J. McCarthy stepped up to the challenge. He hit some huge passing touchdowns and ultimately forced Ohio State to pull the defense back, which allowed Michigan's run game to ground and pound in the second half, back up Donovan Edwards, two huge touchdown uh, runs in the second half, and uh, they beat the Buckeyes in Columbus. They win a second consecutive Big Ten title, make a second consecutive playoff appearance. Now here in 2023, 
they're favored to beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten again. Even though it just happened a year ago, you know, maybe some recency bias there, but like Rob's example with the Lions earlier this month, it just meant so much to me. And I will say this, recency bias is always something to consider, but I've met maybe one person in my life who bleeds maize and blue like Andrew bleeds maize and blue. Like this guy loves U of M, like nobody I've ever met, except maybe my Uncle Paul. And so I think I, I don't think it's recency bias, man. I think that is the most pure Andrew sports moment that I can think of. And so I, I got to give that one to you all day. Yeah, that's the one no, they haven't won since 2011. So it's like I what other Michigan, Ohio State victories would I choose from is 21 and 22. Now, yeah. I will say the 21 one was my favorite because that was a much closer game, was it not? I think it was slightly closer late in the game. I still but think more it, than a touchdown by the end of it. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was, I think, 42 to 27 was the final score. Okay, but well, one of those two, honestly, I don't remember which one it was, but there was we were having an event at your your parents' house. It was a yeah, family was event. And I'm a sick mf'er. I enjoy watching people sweat a little bit. And so watching Andrew pace up and down for the, the last half of that game just brought me such a sick joy. Okay, uh, Andrew, what is what was the Michigan-Ohio State game where we lost, I want to say, in overtime on that 2016. Yeah, yeah, double overtime. Michigan was the better team. Don right. Brown sucks. Uh, but here's the thing, the story about that. I So I was with my friend, I was I, with Joe. He watched it there, and I was so angry after the game i'm he I, we hadn't made a bet and he owed me a coney dog that was the bet and i was like you need to get me out of my house i need to just get some fresh air so we go he buys me lunch uh and then as we're leaving this old man drives by and yells go buck and i was ready to commit horrible uh, that guy. horrible crimes yeah to a stranger as you drive away. So, yeah, yeah. The, I was re- so angry. Oh, my gosh. This kind of reminds me of something that happened the past couple months. Not my finest moments, but but my wife and I are at the gym. I, I'm, I'm not a hardcore Michigan fan, but I'm, de- I'm a Michigan fan. And we're, we go to the, the, the free weights, and there's this guy wearing an Ohio State hat. I just I, I tap back on the shoulder and said, that guy's a tool right there. And so we, we keep on lifting out and I'm wearing a, a Chance the Rapper hat. And like near the end of our, our workout, he just comes, taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, man, nice hat. I'm like, mother F you, dude. I don't need this. You're the enemy. You can't be giving me compliments. Uh, Becca's like, what Rob, do you say? And I'm like, I, I stand by that. And if you are an overseas listener or, you know, not big in the football this is probably one of the closest games we get to your 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 football matches, like just the rivalry and the kind of admit the anger towards the other team. animosity animosity towards the other team. And like this, the the this rivalry is called the game like it's that big. It's usually it's like there's the three top rivalries in sports of college football are Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama versus Auburn. Oh, it's Auburn. Yeah, Auburn, yeah. I almost said Clemson. And then yeah, Texas Auburn. OU. Uh, would be the other third. Is that what no, you're going to say? No, it's Army Navy because that's such a historical rivalry. I mean, Army, that one's Navy. fourth for me. Yeah. yeah I mean, it is it is historic, but I wouldn't say the animosity there. I would say they have more respect <laughs> for each other. But like usually that's top three college sports rivalries. But yeah, it is weird because if you aren't from the U.S., the college fans are more intense. Mm-hmm. Than oh, the, they're way more intense. Well, and just Michigan and Ohio, the states themselves don't like each other. Before the Civil War in 1836, there was uh, we we fought Ohio as a territory for the Toledo Strip, the, the Toledo War, and we end up getting the whole the the whole UP. So we definitely who wants Toledo? That's a, a trash city. 
Also, yeah, shout out to Ohio. Uh, history showed that we were right in our land claims, and you guys don't know how to read a map. Google <laughs> it. Uh, just wanted to let, make the record straight. And we got the UP out of it, so Michigan wins again. Uh, how mean, did Wisconsin get screwed so hard on that? Like, we fought a war with Ohio and ended up with I don't a think chunk they, of it is they basically just Wisconsin. State yet. Yeah, they were they still a territory. Okay, that's fair. Well, we were, yeah. we were still a territory, and we actually spent so much money in our army that we were about to go, like, bankrupt because we were just like, F the Ohioans. And, you know, it's still there today. But – well, you know, it's funny because the University of Michigan is older than the state of Michigan. It is. The university is 1817 and the state Michigan gained statehood in 37. Yep. And so, yeah, Andrew Jackson's like, hey, we will annul you of this date of this debt if you guys give Toledo to Ohio and we'll make you a state and everything. And we'll give you this this because they are they have like a treasury basically um, surplus. So they're giving out to states. And so that's how we got out of paid our debts. Was by giving up Toledo and getting the other 75% of the UP. Lou, what's your number one? So my number one, honestly, I thought when we were talking about this that we could only pick one sport. And so, I mean, I have so many like football honorable mentions, but I was like, you know what? Let's be different because I feel like a lot of football was going to be talked. That was right. So uh, August 8th, 2009, uh, Anderson Silva and Forrest Griffin uh, UFC uh, match. I remember where I was at. I remember being in my basement watching this fight. It might have been on YouTube, actually. That's probably what it was because my family didn't pay for pay-per-view. Uh, so I remember being on YouTube watching this fight. I was a big I was a fan for both fighters, Anderson Silva for sure and Forrest Griffin. Forrest Griffin Griffin just had this, I can't remember who we fought, but he had this brutal fight with him and somebody else. And uh, I was just a big Horace Griffin fan. And Anderson Silva, I think it's just a masterclass at work. I think he's, I think he's better than John Jones. Is anybody UFC fans here? No, I only Horace follow it casually through like okay. social media. I know. watched it when I, back when I still lived at home, my dad was a, a casual UFC fan. So I'd see it from time to time. But, oh, right. WWE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll, I, I talked about my my falling in love with UFC because of WWE. Yeah, I also don't often say I'm a UFC fan because I feel like it's connected to a bunch of negativity. Usually the fans. Of, and then Dana, Dana White is a pretty wild character. Uh, so I, I've been really shy about my love for UFC. But yeah, so I, I'm a big fan of watching some. I'm, I'm a big fan of watching somebody who is just a master at their work their craft uh and i think anderson silver just did an amazing job of just destroying and breaking down forrest griffin in the first round with a complete knockout i think like maybe like two two like because a lot of with fighting a lot of it gets a little boring in the beginning because they're all testing each other out and looking at reach reach advantages and stuff uh but i won't get too technical but at one point anderson silver pretty much knocks foreign griffin to the ground and they kind of tussle a little bit uh but anderson silver is like no i want to stand up fight uh literally lets forrest griffin up Takes his hand and knocks him out in like maybe a minute afterwards. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, (laughs) crazy. Yeah, it was, uh, it's really solidified my love for UFC. Spider. But you said Biter? Biter. That was his nickname, Anderson the Spider Silva. Oh, oh Spider. Okay. I heard Biter with a B. I heard, sorry. <laughs> I heard Biter too. I was like, uh, I think that I was, was like, Mike Tyson. Yeah, get out of my head. Yeah, that was Mike Tyson <laughs> and Dan Campbell. Sorry. The spider. The spider. That's funny because I wanted to put Mike Tyson at number one because him in the 90s was crazy. He was a crazy person. I'm a Joe Lewis uh, fan myself. That I respect that, um, right. but I couldn't pick one fight. What's the what's that monument called? Is it called the fist. The, the fist? the fist. All right, that's me. Okay, so my number one. Picture this: you're the Detroit Pistons. You have just been putting up stinkers, living in mediocrity for the past decade. You finally fired your your old 
coach GM, because in basketball, sometimes they, even in football, it's rare, but Bill Belichick is still the general manager and the coach. We, we fire, gosh, what's his name? Anyway, it doesn't matter because he was trash. You bring up this new guy, Troy Weaver. He is renowned for his scouting ability. He comes in his first year, drafts three guys, two of them, Isaiah Stewart, as we mentioned before, and Sadiq Bey go on to make the all-rookie team. You have a terrible season record-wise, but all the games are close. And it just felt like, man, this team is just on the edge of, of greatness here. Like, if we could just get a few more players. And unlike the NFL, the National Basketball Association does a draft lottery. So even if you finish with the worst record, you're not guaranteed to get the first overall pick. And that year, the the, the prize was Cade Cunningham. And everyone's saying, fade for Cade. And that, you know, teams were tanking for him and all that. It just felt it felt right in the air. Like the everyone felt those uh, that energy that this is going to be Detroit's year and we're going to win it. And there's only a a 14 and a half percent chance that the top three teams land the number one overall pick. And by golly, Detroit gets it. Ben Wallace was there. I think the I think the vice commissioner was just too scared to not give it to Detroit because he didn't want Ben Wallace to jump through the camera and beat him down. But (laughs) Detroit gets the number one pick. And oh my gosh, that another moment where I just like, I remember I was because I was living with my mom at the time coming back from college kind of to get my feet and I'm just screaming down in the basement and I was so happy and it, it's one of those moments where even though there was nothing we did about it, it, it just felt so great to it's like, finally, we're going to win one and we got our guy in Cade Cunningham and man, he was such, he was awesome. The draft night, everyone there was some talk, maybe it wasn't going to be Kate or not, because our, our, our general manager is like, we're going to do our research. You know, we don't want to just go and pick number one because that's what everyone says. We want to do our due diligence, which I respect. But but Cade gets up there. He gets selected first overall. He pulls out some Cartier buffs, which if you guys aren't, you know, up on Detroit fashion is a huge Detroit staple, the, the buffs. And he's just like, Detroit, I'm all in. And it just felt so good to have. A guy that was happy to be on this, you know, bottom feeder team that's been in mediocrity for some time. And he's like, I'm all in. And on his first game, he took about three steps until he was double teamed. That's how much other teams are like afraid of just his playmaking abilities and everything. And it was, man, he's such an awesome guy. And it was so great to win that. Like he was even invited to join the the FIBA tournament, which is an international basketball tournament. But he he turned it down. He's like, I want to focus on my Detroit Pistons. You know, make sure we're where we need to be for the upcoming season. And all these like big name NBA players just praise like his game and like they expect him to go far. And it's it's awesome. Like just that feeling that we got our guy and he is happy to be here because there's some people that you're like, you know, they're happy they got drafted high, but they're not happy to you know become to Detroit because Detroit's sports scene has been so mediocre recently and it's such a great feeling just to be like yes we got our our, our franchise guy here sounds a little bit like the joe burrow story was joe burrow happy well he was from ohio right i don't know if he yeah. would be to be here it was not, but like just like to have that guy who just shows up braces it and turns the franchise around it's always mm-hmm. like that's such a great experience yeah and unlike you know in basketball it's a lot harder there's only like a handful of players that can actually you know that one player can make a difference on the team but he has mm-hmm. such a high basketball IQ that you just see like man what is he going to be in five years and it just gets everyone excited for his future and his career and it sucked last year because he was out with an he had to get like some shin surgery and he was out for most of the season last year and that just that sucked the team went downhill and yeah well, I'm super excited for this next season with him and the, the other pieces we've got. Yeah, the draft, um, of course, I, being a, a big sports fan, know all of the draft. But for you know, 
that you might not know when you 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 said the the worst team isn't automatically given the the top draft is it like weight in the lottery where a bad team or chance or is it just a total luck of the draw thing yeah so each team has a chance at number one but the furthest you can fall is four spots below so detroit was the the worst team this past year because we didn't have Cade and some of our other big name players were out so we were the worst team. And of course, in classic Detroit fashion, which is which I should mention, Detroit up until that year has never moved up in the lottery. They've only ever moved down or stayed where they were for the Pistons. And of oh, you course, can trade your spot. Well, you can trade. But like so this year we were the worst team. That means in theory, like have the best chances at number one. And as far as we can fall is five. So we and we ended up getting fifth round or the fifth overall pick because of course it's detroit you can't have uh we can only have one or two good things here yeah going up or down or jumping means you we were the second worst team the year we got Cade and we jumped to the first spot so that's it is we've that was the only time in like the past i think 60 years that we've actually jumped up in the draft lottery to go up a spot and then there's teams that just get lucky like cleveland i think got two two number one picks pretty close to each other minnesota and there's some teams just have crazy luck in the draft lottery but detroit is never one of them in any sports red wings were historically bad had like one of the worst records and they they fell all the way down the year they were a few years ago what do you think the rationale is for having the lottery is it that they just don't want teams you know intentionally losing games at the end of the year yeah it's intentionally losing games because like especially like this past year this past draft victor Wemanyama, who's from france he's like seven three and basically can do everything and that's just such an oddity he, he's a like a beanpole so i'm afraid that he's gonna you know take one step and break a leg but he's uh just like a, a freak of nature and if they didn't have that draft lottery, there would have been a, a ton of teams even tanking more than they already did for for Wimpanyama. So do you like it as a fan of the NFL that doesn't have it and yes NBA and no. that does? It was nice when we jumped, but Detroit, because hockey, hockey and baseball even adopted this, I think, the past year or two. And Detroit's just hasn't had good luck. So that part, it really sucks. But it's nice when you win. I, overall, I'd say no, because I'd be rather guaranteed, you know, if you're the worst team, you're going to get the best. Uh, you should get the best player, which, you know, makes sense. But that's not the case. Okay, Lou, what are we talking about next week? So we're going to do top five favorite video game NPCs. So like companions and all that? It could be companions. It could be uh, took an arrow to the knee. It could be whatever. Just non-playable. Carlac. Carlac, 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 Carlac. There you go, Carlac. That's all. <laughs> Who's Carlac? Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 companion that everyone's uh, gushes uh, over. Okay. Hey! Listen! Oh my gosh, Navi. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Top Podcast. You can find our guest Andrew on Indeed if you're looking to hire a project manager. Tune in next week as we talk about our top five NPCs. Till next time, peace. Okay, well, I got a 6 a.m. wake up call, so. Oh, jeez. Uh... <laughs>